Masechet Yavamot Daf Peh. We are talking about the definition of Seris and Ailonit. Uh, we know the basic principle, which is that anyone who is not fertile does not perform Yibum, and perform is not and Yibum is not performed for him or her. Uh, if someone dies without children and he is a Seris, no Yibum is done for him. And if the Yevama is an Ailonit, then also no Yibum is done, no Chalitza is needed. So therefore, these terms have to be all explained. The Mishnah already brought a machloket between Rabbi Akiva, who says that if a child is born healthy um, and only became a Siris later, meaning Siris Adam, then it's okay. They can do Yibum and have Yibum done for them because they were when they were born, they were within the realm of Yibum, so it doesn't matter that they became infertile later. Rabbi Eliezer, however, says the opposite. If someone is born a Siris Hama, a born a Siris, that's called Siris Hama, then it's okay. You can do Yibum for that person. That person can do Yibum because uh, perhaps they can get better. They weren't born that way. And so maybe uh, maybe there's a cure. Uh, but if it's a Siris Adam, then he says it's no good. Then it's going to be a physical injury, and that will not be curable. And so if it happens later in life, you cannot do Yibum or Chalitza. All right, so that was the Machloket. And now we're going to define the first term here, Hechidame Siris Hama. What does that mean? A person who gets, um, who was born uh, an infertile. Amar Yitzchak, Abad Yosef, Amar Biochanan, Kol Shelo Ahat Bechashruto. Biochanan explains. It's someone who never had even an hour of fitness, meaning he's born that way. I was already assuming that definition when I explained it. Uh, he was born that way, and not even any time in between did he become infertile and then not, uh, and then stop, but rather was born and continue was continuously infertile from the time of birth. How do we know? How can we tell if a little infant that's born is infertile or not? They no no babies can have uh, kids yet. So you do the uh, uh, arc test. Uh, when the baby uh, urinates, does it make an arc? Uh, then uh, it's good. That's uh, healthy. But if it does not make a nice arch, uh, but just dribbles out, then you see there's something uh, problem there with the anatomy. And that is the first sign that uh, this uh, child will grow up to be infertile. On Dafbet, we'll see a few more signs that will go along with this. Okay, Mimai Havai. Uh, what causes a uh, an infant to have this problem of being a Siris Hama? Uh, the problem is uh, with the mother. If a mother bakes bread at noon, uh, meaning noon when it's very hot out, the hottest part of the day, and baking bread outdoors with the heat of the oven, uh, so this would be you know overheating and uh, you know maybe. Um, uh, be, not having enough hydration or whatever, um, and furthermore, drinking strong beer while pregnant. So uh, these are not good things for a pregnant woman to do. She needs to um, stay well from that, stay away from alcohol, and keep cool. Uh, so that uh, the baby can develop properly. Amad of Yosef, Hainu de Shama Ana le Ami de Amar, called Shemime Aimo la Koi Vilayadana Mai Nihu. And Rabbi Yosef said, Oh, thank you for teaching me that. Now I understand because I heard Rabbi Ameh uh, saying something about anyone who is a, impaired from the womb. 
Uh, and I didn't know what he was talking about. But now that you give me the context, oh, it's explaining uh, that women should uh, uh, sh- should uh, keep away from baking in the hot oven in the middle of the day and strong beer. And otherwise, the definition of Sidis Hama is someone who was born because of the what happened in the womb and born that way. Now I understand what Nabi Ameh was talking about. Okay, so good good advice for pregnant women here. Question, why don't we uh, worry, um, uh, uh, not worry, it would be a good thing, uh, that this, uh, that maybe they got better, the child got better in the meantime. In other words, let's say they did the arch test and uh, failed. And so that's a sign that the baby is a city schama. And then uh, later on, when it grows up, uh, we do we, we check and we see oh so you see it's uh, infertile but maybe in the meantime this baby was healthy and then got and then became unhealthy again uh, in which case they are not a continuous city uh, schema all the way from the time of birth until now. Kemban, uh, so we answered. No, since in the beginning when he's born, and now when we're testing him, he has a defect. Therefore, we're not concerned that he might might have gotten better in the meantime, and therefore, uh, sorry, cannot do yibum uh, or chalitza, at least uh, according to Rabbi Akiva. But now we challenge that answer because we're going to see a case here regarding a bechod animal where it's not enough to check just the beginning and the end and assume that the middle is all the same. You have to check in the middle also. Let's see the case. Mativ Rav Mari, Barabi Chanina ben Antigonos Omer, Botkin Oto Shalosh Pamim Betoch Shemonim Yom. So we have a Mishnah here in Masechet Bechorot. If, a, um, if an animal is a, a Bechor, uh, then a special status has to be offered as a sacrifice. If it has a blemish, however, it's actually good for the Kohen, uh, because then the Kohen can take it home and, uh, and uh, just cook it at home and eat it. So it's beneficial for the Kohen for it to have a, a mum. And so these certain type of mumin, for example, a spot in the eye, it's only a mum if it lasts for 80 days continuously. Uh, so we're going to check. How, how often do we have to check? Three times we have to check in the beginning, in the middle, and at the end uh, for uh, over a period of 80 days altogether. Uh, so what you see here is that we don't only check at the beginning of the end. We suspect maybe in the meantime it got better and then it got the it got the blemish again, and that's why you have to check in the middle. So just like over there, we don't assume just the beginning and we check in the middle. So too, uh, this baby, even though it did it failed the arch test, and then when it grew up, it was no, it was still infertile. Maybe it got better in the middle, and so therefore, it would not be called a cities. Um, may, maybe is not a cities. So we answer no. Lo hashinan. You know, we we um, when when we're worrying about something happening in the middle, could happen with one organ, with one limb. So for the an animal's eye, it's a very localized problem, and it could be that it was bad and got better, and then it got bad again. So we got to check. But if it's talking about something that uh, uh, that affects the entire body, and right now interestingly, we're considering infertility to affect the entire body, even though it might be um, a problem that's uh, a uh, uh, manifests itself in the reproductive organ, uh, but it's connected with lots of other things, so we consider it an ailment of the entire body. That 
is either is not going to change uh, so easily in the meantime. So if it was bad in the beginning, bad at the end, we can assume that this person was a Saris the entire time, which would mean, according to the Eliezer, that's a Saris Chama, and would be okay, according to the Akiva, Saris Chama is uh, not okay. Uh, and cannot do booming and chalitza, and we don't we don't consider the possibility uh, significant that it got better in the middle. We're now going to analyze the next section of the Mishnah, which is Rabbi Eliezer, who disagreed with Rabbi Akiva. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer Omer Loki. Rabbi Eliezer said that if a ch- someone if someone is born as a seris hama, uh, born infertile then they can do Yibum and Chalitza, uh, as long as they do grow up that way, and uh, then they are considered infertile. Uh, but yet they can do, they, like, because maybe they'll get better later. That was Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah. We are going to have a challenge from a Mishnah in Masechet Nida that seems to say the opposite. Rabbi Eliezer is going to be quoted uh, uh, here in this Mishnah, and this Mishnah says that someone who is a Sari, born a Saris, and remains that way, can do Yibum, uh, cannot do Yibum in Chalitza. Uh, so that's going to contradict the Mishnah here in Yevamot. So let's see the Mishnah. If a man dies without children, leaving a Yavam and the Yavama, but the Yavam is, seems to be a Saris. He's 20 years old and he never saw two hairs. That's a sign of maturity to see two pubic hairs and even though nowadays we just say 13 as an average and that person becomes bar mitzvah, that's it. But in olden days they would also check to see and so if someone didn't, doesn't see two hairs, uh, uh, you know, when they're 13 or 14 or 15, and so we wait, maybe, maybe they're just a late bloomer, but if they passed 20 years old and they still did not see hairs, then that's it, that person is called a saris. Now that is bad for him, but it's good for the yevama, because that means the yevama can go free without yibum or chalitza. She can go marry a kohen. So how do we know? So bring proof that you are 20 years old, Bring your driver's license, and then uh, and and he never had two hairs. Who saris Since he doesn't do chalitza and doesn't do yibum, that's it. She goes free. Good. Similar case. But if the yev, if the yevama is twenty years old and she never saw she never saw two hairs. Similar for a woman. Nowadays we assume twelve is the average for maturity. But in those days, you have to also have two hairs. And okay, maybe it could be late, but once 20 comes and she still never never saw hairs, that's it. She's Ailonit, she's not fertile. Because she's not fertile, she doesn't need to do Yibum Chalitza. She can just go free and marry anybody she wants, even a Kohen. Bet Shemai say that. Uh, both are 18 years, not 20 years old, but rather 18 years old. Otherwise, he agrees in principle. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, he splits the difference. He says, I agree with Betilel uh, regarding men. You have to wait till 20. But for women, 18. Because in general, women mature faster than men. And that's why for women, the average is 12. For men, 13. And then for 
therefore, for the maximum of how long we're going to wait, also, it, we it should make a difference. Now, what we see here in this Mishnah is that the Eliezer agrees with the same principle as everybody else, which is that if someone is, whatever, 20 years, man is 20 years old, and he still never saw hairs, they're called an Ailonit. And as an Ailonit, there are cities. Uh, cannot do yibum, cannot do yibum or, or chalitza. Now, this is the same as a Sidis Adam. And yet, he said, uh, Chama, sorry. This is the same as Sidis Chama, born as a Sidis. And uh, here, the Mishnah says, no yibum or chalitza. That's the opposite. A Mishnah Yevamot, our Mishnah, he says, Sidis Chama can do yibum and chalitza. Okay, this seems like a contradiction. The Be'eliezer to the Be'eliezer. Uh, two answers. Amar Rami bar Amar Shemuel. Hazar bar Be'eliezer. The Be'eliezer changed his mind. Now, which way did he change his mind? Which one did he say first? Which one did he change his mind from? And we have a Braita that will help us. Tashema detanya. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Siris Hama Holes Vechosin Ishto. Sheken Beminan Mitrapein Balaxandria Shel Mitzrayim. It must be that the Mishnah in Nida is what he said originally. Uh, where he said, no, Siris, who was born that way, cannot do Yibum and Chalitza because they are Siris, they're infertile, they're not in the realm of Yibum and Chalitza. That makes sense that someone would say that. But then one day, the Be'eliezer did some uh, research and found that in Alexandria, Alexandria was uh, you know, the capital of the world in technology and science and medicine, and he, so he, he heard or saw that in, uh, in Alexandria, they are able to cure people that are born infertile. And so therefore, he changes mind and says, if someone is a Sadis Hama, they can do Yibum or Chalitza because this is a, a curable infertility. Uh, there you go. Uh, that's that's one fantastic answer. It's one of the few places where the rabbis rely on uh, empirical evidence. You know, they go and uh, look at scientific research uh, in order to determine how the halacha should be applied. Now we have a second answer, Rabbi El-Azad Omer. This Rabbi El-Azad is Stam Rabbi El-Azad, the Amora, who is Rabbi El-Azad ben Pedat. Not to be confused with Rabbi Eliezer, who uh, we have the contradiction between two statements of Rabbi Eliezer, the second generation Tana. Okay, so Rabbi Eliezer, the Amora, is giving another answer. No, Rabbi Eliezer did not change his mind. I can reconcile both of these Mishnayot. The Mishnah there in Masechet Nida is Le'onashin. That's only here. He only was talking about punishment. When Rabbi Eliezer says, I think that for a male, it's 20, and for a female, it's 18. That means that's when I would consider them an adult and therefore responsible for their actions and punishable. The idea is that usually, when uh, for normal development, uh, a woman is liable if she uh, at 12 and a man and a, a, a young man at 13. Once they reach that age, if they eat non-kosher, violate Shabbat, they are puni- they are punishable. But uh, in the case of someone who doesn't develop for a while, then they're not going to become an adult until they develop signs of maturity. If they never develop signs of maturity, then they become an adult afterwards at 18 or at 20. That's why he was um, 
In other words, even though they never show signs of development, doesn't mean they're never an adult. Eventually, once we say, oh, this person is a, uh, uh, is a Sidis or an Ailonit, uh, that's why they're not developing maturity, but they are, uh, have a full sound mind, so they are responsible for, for their actions. So when does that happen? Uh, 18 or 20. But Abiy Eliezer did not agree uh, with the statements before that they do not do chalitza. In fact, he's consistent and never changed his mind with our Mishnah that says if he's uh, someone who's a serious chama, does do, does do uh, chalitza. All right, so now we understand uh, that's the second answer. Based on the second answer, we have a very important machloket about that in-between time. Itmar. Achal chelib ben mi ben shem shetem asre veyom echad ad ben shemone asre venodu bo simane saris. We have a case where someone ate chelib, in which case, if they did it by mistake, they have to bring korban hatat. Um, if they did it before 12 years old, let's say for a girl, um, then patur, right? It's a, it's a lesson by mitzvah. But what if they ate chelib from 12 until 18 for a woman? Um, and then we see, oh, look, they are, the person is a saris or ailonit. Even if after they see two, two hairs, that doesn't matter. After the 18 or after the 20 years old, it doesn't matter. Those hairs do not, do not count. So that's the question. What happens about that in-between stage? Before 12, no korban. After 18, now they are an adult, according to Eric, right for sure. So then they would have to bring korban. But what if they sin during that in-between period? Rav Amar Nasa Saris Lemafreya. Rav says like this: When they are twelve years old, oh no sign, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, right? No signs. So maybe they're still a, uh, maybe they're still a minor, and they're just delayed development. So we can still consider them a minor. Once they, a woman reaches eighteen and still no signs of maturity, then we see, oh, that whole time since they were twelve. They were really an adult. We were waiting for nothing. The signs weren't going to come. It's an ailonit. That's why there's no signs. But an ailonit is considered an adult. And therefore, retroactively, any sin that she made from 12 years on, she would have to bring a sacrifice or whatever punishment. Shmuel says, no, the designation of being a child continues from 12 all the way till 18. And only at 18, we say, oh, look, the signs of maturity are never coming. From now on, they're, they're, she's considered an adult. For only from now on is she responsible for her actions. Anything that she sinned until that time, not, 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 not considered responsible. All right, very interesting, Machloket. Also curious to see 18, which nowadays uh, we consider um, to be the age of adulthood which uh, is a consider, it at least comes up here in this case. All right, so that's Rav and Shemuel, and now we have a challenge. Matkif la Rav Yosef lerav. Ailonit lerabi meir yehe la kenas. Rav Yosef asks a question. According to Rav, um, then Ailonit, according to Rabbi Meir, should pay a fine. Well, what is this talking about? It's, uh, it's uh, in, 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 cryptic here. Um, it's referring to a statement that Rabbi Meir said elsewhere which is that um, if uh, someone, if a man rapes a na'ara ha-me'orasa, uh, rape, sorry, a na'ara, then uh, na'ara is defined as a young girl between 12 and 12 and a half. 
he has to pay a fine. According to the Bimeir, he does not pay the fine if she's more than 12 and a half, because that's Bogeret, and also does not pay the fine if she's less than 12, because that's a Ketana, but only during that time, 12 and 12 and a half, he has to pay that particular fine. There's other problems with other ages. All right, uh, Bimeir also said that an Ailonit never has to, for an, if an Ailonit is raped, the rapist never pays this fine, which means he doesn't consider that time period to be uh, a na'ara. So that's the question that of Rav Yosef. According to Rav, um, who says that retroactively we, can, we go back and we say, oh, you know what happened? At 12, really, that's when she uh, left her the status of being a kitana. And, um, and so therefore, since retroactively we go redefine it, it should be from 12 to 12 and a half, she is a na'ara. And she should get paid. And then 12 and a half on, then we, can, when we go as normal. In other words, that we see we're waiting, we were waiting for signs for nothing. And therefore, we go back and give her a regular calendar, right? And if so, even according to the Bimeir, he should have to pay the kanas from 12 and 12 and a half, according to Rav. But Rabbi Bimeir says, no, there is no kanas ever for an Ailonit. Why not? Rabbi explains, oh, the reason is because once she's 12, and she uh, leaves the status of being a child, a minor, she goes immediately to being an adult, this case, where it goes retroactively, there is no period of being a na'ara. Um, because uh, the na- point of na'ara is an in-between stage when she's not yet a minor, when she's uh, a, not a minor, but not yet an adult, because she's maturing. This ailonit is not maturing, so she goes straight, we just take the number 12 as the average, she goes straight from being a minor, to an adult and immediately becomes responsible for her actions and also immediately um, since she becomes a beged meaning bagrut uh, there is no time when she's a nara and that's how that's how he can explain to bimeir that an ailonit um, would never get paid that fine by a rapist amar le um, so rav yosef says to abaye kol ki hane mide mide maliatait ameru mishemai what a good answer you gave to my question and anything like that you should say in my name meaning uh, this is exactly what i thought maybe he knew the answer he was just testing abaye or there are some versions that switch it around that um, Abaye said to Rav Yosef, you're the one that taught that to me in the first place. Rav Yosef was, uh, uh, forgot things when he was older. And he says, yeah, actually, this is what you said. Okay, uh, either way, the point is that we have a proof for this from uh, Baraita de Tanya. The proof is from the end, but this uh, also talks about a ben sorer umore. In order for a child to be considered a uh, rebellious son and uh, therefore killed as such, um, it's only true if uh, before they have a, a beard, meaning a lower beard, uh, they have a lot of hair uh, uh, in, their, in their privates. Then, uh, before that, they can be a um, but un, until, uh, until that time. Now, if they have a Saris who never grows hair, so uh, Saris, therefore, can never be judged as a Ben Sore More, because a Ben More can only be after they start seeing hair until they have uh, uh, more full hair. So it doesn't apply to them. And furthermore, Ailonit will never be judged as a Ne'ada HaMe'orasa. 
uh, because she goes right from being a child to being an adult. And there's no na'ara stage for her. So you see that corroborates the uh, response that Abaye gave. All right, good. Amarbi Abhu, Simane Sadis Vailoni to Ben Shimona, and Osin Bahen Mase, and Shehu Ben Asrim. Okay, somewhat strange law that Abhu teaches, which is that a Ben Shimona, that means a baby who was born after eight months of pregnancy. Uh, the rabbis believed that an eight month pregnancy is impossible. The child may be born, but will not survive. Um, a, a nine-month baby, that's ideal. And they also thought a seventh-month baby, a uh, seven-month pregnancy is possible and is a viable child, but not eight. This is based on Greek medicine, which is itself probably based on uh, some way of covering up premarital sex. And uh, say the seventh-month baby, uh, you know, when they uh, 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 jumped the gun before the wedding a couple of months. So, it's, oh, it's a seventh-month baby, and so on. All right. But however, the, whatever the origin is, that was the uh, medicine of the time. So, Rabbi Abhu teaches that if a baby is born after nine, eight months of pregnancy, we consider it to not be viable, uh, even if it continues to live for many years until it's 20 years old. After 20 years old, then we say, okay, you know what? It's viable. But before 20, we consider it like it's not going to make it. It's not going to live, which is quite amazing that it could be you know, like a healthy 18-year-old. Uh, and we still say, ah, I don't know. Um, it, it would affect uh, various halachot. For example, avelut. Uh, there's no laws of avelut for a baby that's not viable. Uh, and things like that. Okay, that's one thing he says. He also says about Simane Saris and Ailonit that we do not uh, declare a person to be a Saris or Ailonit when they have no signs of maturity. Uh, we do not declare them to be infertile until they are 20 years old. He seems to be saying three separate halachot. The Ben Shemona, uh, does, according to that, she is not connected with the other two. Nabam actually does connect them, but let's explain it more uh, straightforwardly as being separate laws. Okay, so the uh, signs that we, um, we uh, do not declare the person infertile until 20 years old, that is what we saw already before. Uh, what's new in the Biabhu is saying that an eight-month-old uh, baby is not considered viable until they're 20 years old. And now we ask, how could you ever have such a case? I thought an eight-month-old baby cannot live. It may be live a very short time, but we thought that it can't live until, uh, 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 until growing up. So much so that if an eight-month-old baby is born on Shabbat, we consider it like a stone. In other words, it's mukseh, because no way it's going to live. You can't even lift it up. The only thing you can do to take care of it is the mother can bend over and nurse it without moving it. Uh, even that is only because of danger, which seems to mean to the mother. If she doesn't nurse, she'll, be, uh, uh, she'll uh, cause her pain. But not for the child who's not going to live anyway. That's how much they were confident that the child had no chance. Okay, so how do we? What, what's going on? How could a eight-month-old pregnancy live? Until 20. Oh, we must be talking here about a case where, although the baby was born after eight months, its, uh, its signs were complete. Uh, some meaning it looks like it looks like a nine-month-old baby. Uh, it, it finished uh, growing out its hair and nails, and everything is okay. 
And therefore, as follows, Detanya Ezu ben Shimona Kol Shelo Kalul Lo Chadashav. We're going to see a machlok. Etanakama says, how do you define eight months? Strictly by the timing. Uh, right. We'll see if we if we know exactly when uh, the child was uh, conceived. Eight months. That's it. Eight, uh, if it's eight months, no matter what it looks like, we consider eight months and it'll be mukseh. Rabbi Omer Simanin Mochichin Allah. Rabbi says, no. We look at the signs of its uh, of its development. Se'ad obviously ponav shelo gamru. If we see that its hair and uh, nails are not completed like they are for a newborn baby. But they're they're um, uh, still raw. Tama de logamru. That's a no. It's a month old baby because it's not. It didn't finish uh, um, gestating. Okay, that's what the Brayta says. So now we explain. Tama de logamru. Hagamru amrinan hai bar shibahu vishtahu yehu de ishtahe. So the reason is that we consider a month old baby because it didn't finish its development. But let's say it did finish. And it was born after eight months, then we say, oh, must be actually a seven-month baby, which can develop fully, and it just stayed an extra month, but it's not actually an eight-month uh, eight-month baby. Um, so even though it was inside the womb for eight months, it was a seven-month baby that had a late checkout, and that is also possible. And therefore, this uh, uh, that would explain the biabhu when he says, oh, there's an eight-month baby, but maybe it will live until twenty, and after twenty, it's considered a full viable adult, that's because even though it was born after eight months, nevertheless, it could have developed in seven months, and the eighth month, eighth month was just an extra attack on that it decided to stay inside. All right. Hold on. We have a question from a case of where his wife, um, about a woman, where whose husband went on a trip. He, he left for 12 months, never came home in the middle for a year. And she, in the meantime, was pregnant and gave birth. Uh, how could that be? Uh, meaning, right, uh, uh, during the, uh, at the end of that 12 months. Well, how could that be? How could it could, could be kosher? Obviously, something went wrong here, right? Um, uh, that uh, she must have com- she must have committed adultery and got pregnant with another man and uh, and had uh, had a, a child who's going to be a mamzer because the father uh, the husband was not around for twelve months. So how could say it's okay? Oh, must be keman the He followed the opinion of Rabbi, who says it's possible. For a, uh, a, a for a fetus that's fully developed to stay in longer, and therefore we say it's a twelve-month-old baby. Uh, yeah, he um, he uh, conceived with his wife uh, before he left, and it was ready after nine months, but it stayed in for an extra three months, very late checkout, and that is a possible thing. And therefore he said uh, it's okay. Uh, scientifically, if you look in the, like the Guinness Book of World Records, it does seem that this is possible for a woman to hold on uh, and continue to be pregnant for longer than nine months. In modern medicine, no doctor would allow it. They just induce uh, at, uh, after nine months. Um, but uh, it does seem possible to hold on to a baby. And since it's possible, he wanted to help out this, the, the family, and he said it's okay. All right. This is all the question. The question was, how could Abba Tosfa'a follow the single opinion of Rabbi? 
that's the B. The Tanakama didn't say that, so it doesn't have to follow Tanakama that says we follow the exact calendar and not the stages of development. Only the B said you can have a seven-month-old baby that stays in longer, and so he so too you can have a nine-month baby that stays in for twelve months. Um, but is he following only the B? The answer is no. He can also f- rely on a bunch of Gamliel. He also says that sometimes a uh, baby stays in uh, for longer than necessary. So you already have two opinions. So that's considered a majority. He says that anytime um, you have a child that stays alive for 30 days, it's not considered a stillborn. That's it. After 30 days, we presume that the child will be fine. And so if we have someone who's a kid who's born after eight months and then it survives for an, a full month uh, uh, after being born, we say, oh, you know what? It was a seven-month baby and it stayed in just an extra month, but it's a viable, healthy child that will go on. All right, now back to the cities topics. What is the definition of a cities chama? We already saw one sign, but now we're going to see the uh, complete list of all the signs of what it means to be born for a boy infertile. Number one, by the time it gets to 20, he still didn't see two hairs. That's one. And even if he sees hairs after 20, doesn't matter. That's too late. That's not considered a sign of maturity. And here are the other signs. If he does not have a beard. And his hair is, uh, is uh, uh, thin. And his, his skin is smooth, meaning he doesn't have hair on other places of his body uh, like men do. Rather, it's smooth like women. If his urine does not raise foam, uh, that's a sign also of infertility. If he urinates, it doesn't form an arch, the old arch test. That's what we started with. Anyone whose seed uh, dissipates, means watery, uh, not, not, doesn't have a thick consistency as normal. Others say the urine does not ferment and become smelly when left out. Uh, it's supposed to ferment, and if it doesn't, that's something a sign of infertility. Someone who bathes in the rainy scenes, I mean, in the winter, is bathing in hot water, and the flesh does not give off steam. Uh, I guess it should. Uh, and so that's another sign. Says, if it's a man whose voice is uh, thin or high, so that it cannot distinguish between a male and female voice, these are all signs of, um, uh, of uh, infertility. We'll see a question of whether you need all of them or any one of them. Okay, what is the definition for a woman to be barren? If she is 20 and she never saw two hairs, and it doesn't matter if she's after 20, she's still called infertile. If she never developed breasts, or feels pain during intercourse. If her body shape does not slope 
uh, near the thighs as normal uh, as normal uh, uh, normal shape of female bodies. Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar Omer ben Ishad Ish, or her voice is thick and it's hard to tell the difference. From, from her voice, whether she is a woman or a man. Okay, all these are signs of female infertility. That's the end of the Braita. Itamar Simanesaris. Ravuna Amar Kulam. Ravuna says, you're not, this person is not considered infertile unless they have all of these signs. You have to check for every single one of them. Um, if they're missing any one of these signs, they are not con- called infertile. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Afilu Be'ahad Mehem. Rabbi Yochanan says, any one of them makes a person infertile. All right, a big difference here. Now, if the person does have two hairs, then everyone agrees that they are probably uh, fertile, and so therefore you need all of the other signs in order to be considered infertile. Even Rabbi Yochanan would say that you need all the signs, all the other signs, if you don't have the, uh, if the person has two hairs. Rather, the question is, if the person does not have two hairs, then Ravuna nevertheless requires that no hairs and all the signs. Rabbi Yochanan says, any one of the signs. Okay, so based on this interpretation of the Machloket, we have a question, fascinating case of Rabbah Barabu, who told the rabbis, please go and check out Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman seemed to have some signs of infertility. So he says, go check this, that one sign regarding if his skin will give off steam. Uh, during the rainy season, uh, and see see if uh, see if it does or not. Uh, if it uh, and if he's if it's okay, if it if he does give off steam, then I will marry my daughter off to him because that will mean that he is uh, not infertile. He's healthy, and I'll uh, I'll do it myself. I'll marry my own daughter to him. Okay, so he's checking for this one sign. So Kiman Kiravuna is he following Ravuna, who says that um, you need all of the signs. Uh, and so that's why he's checking even this one, right? It's, you know, I, some of the signs uh, you, are ones that you can see. And so he was says, you know, take him to the bathhouse and go see if he has this sign. Is that why he's following Rav Huna? Because he needs all the signs? No, maybe actually he had hairs, a couple of hairs, even if they were just small hairs. And so therefore, uh, once he has hairs, then even according to Rabbi Yochanan, he needs all the signs to be there. And so that's why he was checking. Go and check that sign to, uh, um, uh, to see. And if he's lacking it, then I'll marry my daughter off to him. All right. If you remember back in the Mishnah, after it brought the Machlok, it was going to be Akiba and Eliezer. Then it brought another line that says, Saris. No chalitza, no yibum. It's like a repetition of uh, what came before. It wasn't even clear which case it was talking about. So we're going to explain that. Katane saris ailonit. Since it says saris and ailonit, vechen ailonit, and it's comparing them. Ma ailonit Just like ailonit is, uh, uh, is something that happens from birth. 
um, not from uh, uh, an, a, um, an injury. Therefore, in that line, Sadis must also mean a Sadis Chama from birth. Ustama Akiba, and this would follow the opinion of Rabbi Akiba, that if someone is born as a Sadis Chama, no good, no Chalitza, and no Yibum. So, what that extra line is doing there actually is just uh, simply telling us that we follow the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Let's continue a bit more till the next Mishnah. Uh, we're just uh, commenting on the very end of the previous Mishnah, which says that a Sadis that did do Chalitza, uh, that Chalitza is nothing because Sadis doesn't have to, so she can marry a Kohen. But if he does Bi'ah with her, that's no good. That's a Be'ilat Zenut. And therefore, she would be prohibited from marrying a Kohen. So Gemara asks, Tama de Balahu. Sounds like the problem is that he, this Saris Yavam, uh, had be with her. That's what makes her Pasul. Ha'acher law. What if someone else uh, went and uh, did be with her? Would that not make her? Um, a, a, a prohibited to a, a Kohen, if that's true, then that would reject the statement of Rabhuna. If a woman who's awaiting Yibum and she goes and she has Bi'ah with someone else, not, 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 the, not, uh, not the Yavam, then she is uh, prohibited from being with her Yavam. Uh, because now it's almost like, it's kind of like adultery. It's as if she was married to him and had adultery, cannot go back to him, cannot return to him. That was a statement of Rav Hamnuna. And if she, if that's true, then that would also be considered a zona, right? Anyone who is a um, commits adultery is also a zona who cannot marry a kohen. So according to um, uh, this, where you say only if the yavam uh, the, uh, uh, does be out with her the Saris Yavam, that causes her to be a Zona, because that's a, a, a sister-in-law, and that's Adva. But someone else would not cause her to be a Zona. That seems to contradict Rav Hamnuna. And we say, No, the truth is that even if it was someone else, uh, assuming that there are, are other brothers, let's say, who could do Yibum, so she is still required to do Yibum with someone, and instead she goes with somebody else. Um, so is she not considered prohibited to a um, to a Kohen after that? Um, and so we say, maybe, in fact, she is still prohibited. As Rav Hamunana said, it's like adultery, according to him. He's a minority opinion, but we want to try to reconcile it. He says, yes, in fact, that's true. And how come the Mishnah didn't mention it? Because the Mishnah is just keeping parallelism. Since it already said Naresha uh, regarding, uh, regarding him, so too in the Sefa, it only talks about him, meaning the Saris Chama brother-in-law. Right? But he, the Saris, uh, the brother-in-law, we're not talking about uh, cases where she is mizana outside, but in fact, it could be the, it could be true that she would be pasul also in such a case. All right, and the last case here, we'll just read it inside first, uh, that says, v'chen ailonit, she, the Yavamaz ailonit, and shel chasula achin, and one of the brothers does chalitza, lo because it's a saris, and the Sadist, she, she can go free. She doesn't need Chalitza from anybody. So she does not become Pesula le Kohen. But if they have Bi'a with her, the Sadist brother-in-law, then she's Pesula because he is prohibited 
to her as a sister-in-law and uh, therefore makes her pesula lekehuna. So the Gemara asks, so the only reason it seems that she becomes permitted to a Kohen is because this Sidi's brother-in-law had Bi'ah with her. But what if he didn't have Bi'ah with her? Then she would be okay to a Kohen, but she's an Ailonit. Uh, therefore, this Mishnah is not cannot be followed the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. If you remember, we had a whole bunch of like five different uh, uh, explanations, definitions of uh, what a zona is for a kohen, and Rabbi Yehuda says that any ilonit is called a zona. What we see from here is that only if this ilonit had bi'ah uh, with did uh, chalitza had chalitza done. Uh, then, uh, with one of the brothers, then she is um, prohibited. I'm sorry. If uh, if one of the brothers did bi'ah with this ilonit, bi'ah, there's no bi'ah for an ilonit, there's no yibum for an ilonit, that makes her a zona. But if the brothers did, none of the brothers did bi'ah with her, then, even though she's an ilonit, she's permitted to marry the kohen. So we see that our Mishnah does not follow the uh, opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Baruch Adonai Olam, Amen v'Amen.